It came in a brown case. I opened it up the first time and it was just beautiful. I picked it up and I blew with all I had into that little coronet. I was just a young elementary student and I had chosen the trumpet. I'm starting with this coronet and, and this is a journey that I was really excited. Do you remember those days when you first picked up that instrument or you first played that sport or that first time you entered a drama? Uh, just hold on to that because we're going to come back to it, okay? Hey, welcome to Door Creek. Special shout out today for uh, the men and women in two special places. So I'm thinking of Dodge Correction. We just caught up with you guys. We had no idea that you've been watching us online on Sunday mornings. And to the 1,500 men at Dodge Correctional, God's blessing to you guys today. And to the women at Teshida, it's been great throughout this pandemic that you've joined with us. And so greetings to you as well. We're honored that we could do church together. So we're starting a new series, Against All Odds. And as we get into it, let me just give you a little perspective to bring us to today. So from the beginning of time, actually from before time, God has been working a plan. It's a plan that's all about calling people that he created back to himself through Christ. Not only a people, but all things back to their rightful place for his glory and ultimately for our good. And so against all odds, he starts his plan with this guy named Abram, who's a, a worshiper of idols from this place called Ur of the Chaldees. And he says, he makes these great promises. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you land and I'm going to make you the father of a multitude. The crazy thing is Abraham's old man and his wife is old and they don't have any kids. She's barren. And so against all odds, at the age of 190, Abram and Sarai welcome Isaac into their family. Against all odds, when this family grew to 70 in number, they're almost wiped out by a famine. But they are saved by an unlikely person who is sold by his brothers as a slave to a caravan heading to Egypt. And that slave, against all odds, would become the second in command in Egypt. And that family of 70 was spared from that famine and from death as they found refuge in Egypt. Against all odds, that family grew to be a large family and was taken captive and made slaves and under oppression for 400 years. And against all odds, God would bolt them out of their slavery and captivity. And he'd cross them through the dry grounds of the Red Sea and lead them 40 years later into the promised land. And against all odds, when God's people didn't keep up to the bargain and the promise, the covenant of saying, you be our God, we love you, Lord, and we'll be your people. We'll follow what you say. When they did it and continue to not follow him, that God remained faithful. And in the midst of their ongoing rebellion and sin, so much like ours, against all odds, God sent his one and only son, the king of the universe, to be born in a stable, born to die, dying on a cross, raised three days later from the dead, conquering death, the devil, and sin's penalty. And it was Jesus, against all odds, would say, I'm going to build my church, speaking about you and me. And all those who follow Jesus over the millennia, I'm going to build my church and the gates of hell will not withstand the forward movement, the onslaught of my kingdom. And so against all odds for the last 2,000 years, he has been building his church. 
sustaining the church through persecution and opposition, bearing with the church through a rebellion and sin, whether it was the Crusades or recent years of slavery, sustaining us from the threats of what? Communism, humanism, materialism, building the church. And here we are, 2,000 almost years later, in the midst of a global pandemic with social forces that are doing their best to drive us, not society I'm talking about, I'm talking about us, the church, to drive us apart in an enemy who relentlessly pursues us trying to steal, kill, or destroy and make us, the body of Christ, irrelevant and ineffective. Christ's hands and feet, ineffective in this world for Jesus. And so as we get into this new series, Against All Odds, we're going to take a dive into three key chapters in Paul's letter to the Corinthian church. 1 Corinthians 12 through 14, a church that was splintered, a church that was divided, divided over leadership, divided over lawsuits, about sexual ethics, about food offers to idol, about how we practice the Lord's Supper and communion, about spiritual gifts. So against all odds, the Holy Spirit has empowered you and I to be fitted together and strengthened to do God's work in his way in such a way that he's honored and the world is blessed as we continue his, his mission of bringing the promised blessings of God through Christ to all the families of the world. Your family, my family. So grab your Bible, and uh, as you grab it, we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And grab your message notes at doorcreek.info, and you can get the message notes there as you follow along, and better prepare yourself for your small group, life group discussion. We start in verse 1. 1 Corinthians 12. Now about the gifts of the Spirit, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be uninformed. You know that when you were pagan, some or other, you were influenced and led astray to mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one who's speaking by the Spirit of God says, Jesus be cursed. And no one can say, Jesus is Lord, except by the Holy Spirit. So one of the things he's going to do is he, he wants to talk about their ignorance, their unawareness, their being uninformed about literally the word here in the original is spiritual things. The modern translation also often puts in spiritual gifts because that's where he's going. That's going to be the focus of our gifts used in love, building each other up to do God's work, 12 through 14. But he's going to start with a foundational principle here that precedes spiritual gifts. And it's an understanding about true spirituality because they were ignorant. They very likely thought true spiritual, like someone who is really spiritual, is someone who has these certain kinds of gifts. Very likely some of the gifts that he's going to talk about and highlight in chapter 14. Like the gift of prophecy, like even the gift of tongues. And so what he says here is this. We're not to be ignorant about true spirituality. I'm going to give you five principles today, and that's the first one. We're not to be ignorant about true spirituality. It begins, true spirituality begins with our confession 
recognition, acknowledgement of Christ as Lord. That is, that he's the king over all king and that he's my king. And so that confession is then lived out, right, in our daily submission to Christ in all things, like in all areas of our life. That's what it means to be a devoted follower of Christ. Recognizing Christ as king. He's the leader of my life and he leads every nook and cranny of my life to be in line with his heart and his beautiful life. So it's easy to make the case that they were focused on other things to really get to the crux of true spirituality, but he's just laying the bedrock here. It's all about recognizing Jesus Christ and living under his lordship. So that brings us to verses four through six, where he gives us this surprising, you could say paradoxical pattern for how the gifts are used and the context in which they're used. And he's going to juxtapose these two concepts that we don't ever put together. Unity and diversity. Well, we don't normally put together. Look at verse 4. There are different kinds of gifts. He's going to mention three things that are different and three things that are the same. See if you can see them. There are different kinds of gifts. One, but the same spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, two, but the same Lord, speaking of Jesus. There are different kinds of working, three, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. So different gifts, different service, different working. So he's going to start talking about the gifts, and we're going to start seeing some of those fleshed out right here in verses eight and following. Uh, The service idea is Oh, by the way, the gifts are given by the one spirit. So the Holy Spirit, we're going to see in verse 4, verse 7, verse 11, has this, in a sense, soul distributorship on the gifts. So when you place your faith in Jesus Christ, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14, we're marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. And when he comes into our life, he brings with himself these spiritual gifts that we'll be using at some point in our lifetime to build up other people to further Christ's mission in this world. So there's different kinds of gifts. We don't all have the same gift. There's not one gift that everybody has. Different gifts, not all the same. And different service, meaning there's different places to use a gift so that two of us could have the exact same gift. I'm using a gift of teaching right now and you could be using the gift of teaching in a small group or with kids or in a women's ministry or one of our classes, the marriage class or financial peace or our alpha explaining Christianity or Christianity explored, right? So all those things could be true. Different gifts, different places to use a gift and different workings. That word working in the original if I transliterate for you, is the word that we get energy from. Different power, and that comes from God. So the difference is, right? And yet the things that are the same, same spirit, same Lord, same God. So what he's saying is, you guys are thinking that the unity needs to be expressed through uniformity, where we all need to be the same, have the same gifts, and are about the same things. But you're forgetting how I put you together in this body, and you all have different parts to play, because you all are a different part of the body. And, And so there's different places to serve. And not everybody who's even serving in the same ministry with the same gifts is going to have the same God-given energy and results. It's all 
God's doing. And so the second principle is the church's unity is seen, it's expressed, if you will, and strengthened by our diversity, not by our uniformity. And the tricky thing today is diversity, which is like, oh man, that's the right word to say. But when you think about it, the diverse things in life, the difference of our lives together are, are just magnified right now. And they continue to push us further apart from each other. So our world is divided by our diversity, if you will. Whatever it is, racially, economically, gender, generational, go on and on and on and on with that, right? But the teaching here is that's not how it works in the body. We are united in Christ. We're under his lordship. We've been adopted into his family. And we have this diverse unity that just shows the beauty of God in his people and in the work he's doing through us, his plan A for the world. So it's interesting that the example that he, in effect, uses kind of subtly here, but not so subtly, is the Trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. There it is right there. There, Without using the word, Paul has given us the doctrine of the Trinity. The Spirit, the Lord, which is a reference to Jesus in the New Testament, and God the Father. And so one God who exists in three persons, they all have different roles to play in creation and in salvation and in redemption and the final culmination of this world where it's restored, the new heaven on earth. So there it is, lived out perfectly in our great God. So then he goes from the paradox to the purpose of using our gifts. Look at verse 7. Now to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit, which is Paul's way of saying these gifts, the showing forth, the demonstration of the Spirit, these gifts, is given for this purpose, for the common good. They're given as gifts, not just so that you can go and treat it like a trophy. Let me grab a trophy here. Because we, we love trophies. Look at this bad boy, man. This is sweet. I asked the staff, who's got a trophy? And we, got, we got a family that, that loves biking. And you know, I love biking. And so this is a BMX kind of trophy. That's a big trophy, right? So trophies, trophies are for your good. And if you got family and friends, we're cheering for you. But they don't, they don't do what the gifts do. They, they don't do what these tools do. Like I, I was just working on a bathroom and I was, I was at it. And I needed tools. I was looking for tools. And I, I love tools, whether it's, you know, uh, uh, whether it's a drill or an impact wrench. Or I'm loving these battery tools like this bad boy right here. You know, just plug it in. No cord to cut through. That's beautiful. One of my recent favorites, though, is this os- oscillating tool. Man, this is, you got to get, if you don't know about this tool, you got to get one of these tools. That is an awesome tool. And when we're building things, We're looking for a tool, not a trophy. And he says, these things were given to us for the common good, for the good of the community, to build us up, he's going to say explicitly in chapter 14. So to one, now he's going to start talking about people in the church with their gifts. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. 
So we're going to note this gift of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same spirit. To another, faith by the same spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits. To another, speaking in different kinds of tongues. And still another, the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of one and the same Spirit, and He distributes that as the Holy Spirit distributes them to each one just as He determines. So, what are we learning here? Well, number one, true spirituality is all about our confession of Jesus Christ as Lord, verses one through three. Now we know that another way that we can understand the Spirit's power and presence in a person's life is by their faithful use of their gifts for the common good. Chapter 13, in two weeks, Pastor David, exercised in love, right? We're learning these things. They, they make these things known. That is, make the work of the Spirit known. So here's our working definition for a spiritual gift, right? Spiritual gifts are spiritual abilities. So they're different than natural talents. Natural talents are given to everybody from birth. Spiritual abilities are given to all God's children at spiritual birth. Ephesians 1, 13 and 14, right? Given by God to every believer for the edification, fancy word, so edifice, building, right? For the building up or equipping of the church, God's people, not buildings, God's people, to the glory of God until he comes. And so they're meant for the common good. Trophies we put on mantles and on shelves and they collect what? Dust, tools. They make dust because they're building stuff and, and they're constructing things or sometimes deconstructing to, in order to construct things. There's a great verse in Ephesians 4 that speaks of this very truth. Ephesians 4, 11. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers, these are leaders in the church, to do what? To equip, that is to prepare God's people for works of service, not to be good spectators, not to take in the show and watch all the professionals. No, no, no. To equip God's people for works of service. That's what Against All Odds is all about. It's an intense commitment. It's our value of intentional training, preparing and releasing you for ministry to equip you to understand the gifts God has given you and where you can use those, the integral place, you part you have in this body and the bigger picture of how we fit together into God's work in this world. So he keeps going. So that the body of Christ will what? May be built up. There it is, built up until we all reach unity in the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. And so this is how we grow to be more like Christ. I need you, Paul's telling me. He's telling you, he's telling his friends in the church that maybe had the superiority complex that said, I got it all, I don't need you, I'm good. No, I need you to grow into the fullness of Christ in every area of my life. So the gifts show the beautiful diversity that exists within 
this united body of Christ. And what we notice from the four lists, 1 Corinthians 12, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Peter 4, what we notice in the four gifts is none of the lists are the same. Not one gift shows up in all the lists. Some gifts show up many times. A lot of gifts only show up one time leading scholars of the Bible to say it's not an exhaustive list. But what we're going to do is we're going to focus in, in this series, we're going to focus in on the 18 gifts that are mentioned in the New Testament explicitly. Speaking of that, we are excited to let you know about a resource that we've put together so you go to our webpage, you go to watch, you look for spiritual gifts, it'll get you to this page. This page has 20 videos. They're short, five-minute videos, all right? So the first two are introductory on the gifts. So give you a bitter, deeper dive for those of you that this is all new. It summarizes the biblical principles. It talks about a lot of different things. And then at the very end, the 20th one talks about our God-given shape. Shape is an acrostic for spiritual gifts, our heart passions, our abilities, our personality, our experiences. And then there's an assessment that lets you take an assessment on what your gifts are, what your heart passion, right? All those different things, five assessments. And when you understand what your gifts are, then we're gonna encourage you to go back and click on the video. There's a four to six minute video on each of the gifts so that you can better understand. There's a PDF with fuller notes that you can connect to and just take this deep dive and understand, okay, these are the gifts that God has given me to help me be equipped to build up the body to further God's mission in this world. So he starts to list out the gifts. And we notice he begins with wisdom. I'm just gonna do a real brief definition, man, you know, and then you're gonna have to go to the video because we don't have time right now to unpack it. But there's a video for each of the gifts. Wisdom, literally a message of wisdom. The spirit-given ability to speak a message which will defend the truth of the gospel or give insight and guidance to the church for our particular need. We need wisdom, knowledge, literally a message of knowledge. In other words, you've got knowledge, but you're not sharing it. Sorry, it's not a gift. Because the gift isn't about, oh, I received this gift from God. No, the gift is about when you share this with someone else. So they grow, right? So it's literally a message of knowledge. The spirit-given ability is the definition right? To receive and share biblical knowledge in various situations. Third, the gift of faith, the spirit-given ability to see what God wants done and to believe he will accomplish his will even if it seems impossible. I often say the leader's best friend, person with the gift of faith, healing, you're going to know if you got this gift, the spirit-given ability to restore people to health for the glory of God. It's literally the gifts of healing, maybe because you're going to do it various times in your life, or maybe because people need different kinds of healing, physical, emotional, spiritual. Fifth, miracles, literally miraculous powers. The spirit-given ability to do what which, which can only be done through supernatural means, defying the laws of nature. We use miracle way too, too loosely. Testifying to God's power and arousing awe, worship, and wonder in those who see it or hear it. Often accompanied with a person who's bringing the message of Jesus Christ for the first time. To give authentication to the messenger and the message. The gift of prophecy. This is an example of we got one word in the whole New Testament. And there's a lot of different takes. You can understand our take on prophecy when you get to the video. But here's their definition. 
the Spirit-given ability to proclaim a message to God's people so that God's people are strengthened and encouraged and comforted and instructed. And that strengthening part could have this exhortation angle to it, but it's not just somebody who's beating up people. No, there's, there's a, a tenderness and, and comforting that's all wrapped into this gift as well. Discernment. Literally, the distinguishing between spirits, the spirit-given ability to distinguish between truth and error or truth from error, if you will. Then there's tongues and interpretation. The spirit-given ability to worship, that is to pray or sing to God through a language not known to the speaker. So not, not like a foreign language that you've never studied. That, that, that might be a situation similar to Acts 2. It's not like God didn't do that before but something that needs interpretation spiritually, so it's like a heavenly language, and that sets up interpretation. The ability to bring intelligibility of the tongue message to the church so that the church could be mutually built up and encouraged. Otherwise, it's just like gobbledygook. We don't know what you're saying. So these are examples, and what we know is from verses 4, 7, 11, it all comes from the Holy Spirit. Every gift given by the Spirit, by His determination, not by ours. It's not like God says, okay, so here's a, here's a list of gifts, and actually there are 35. And so you just tell me which ones you want. No, 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 no. He's designed us. He's made us. We are created in Christ Jesus as masterpieces, Ephesians 2.10. And so He's put it all together, the whole package. And so it's His will that He's given us the personality, the experiences, the abilities, right? The hard passions and these gifts. And we submit to that. And we know from verse 7, every believer has at least one gift. You cannot tell me, well, not true, Mark. I was in line. I got to the front of the line. And the Lord God said to me, Mark, I'm sorry, man, but I ran out today. There's no more gifts for you. That, you can't do that. Everyone has a gift. So back to that instrument. You remember what it was like trying to just learn how to play it, trying to figure out the notes, trying to make right sounds. Remember how we endured it as parents? And so we were practicing, and some of us got lessons like Mr. Straight-Up. He was awesome. He's my trumpet teacher, and he's teaching me how to play. And then one day, I, I moved that instrument into, into band. And all of a sudden, it's like, whoa, there's not just cornets here. There's big Big coordinates, there's like trumpets, there's long jobs, and there's even longer jobs back here, the trombones, there's the baritones, there's the tubas, and then there's guys making all the racket, and the gals back there, and the percussion, banging away, and then there's the flautists, and the clarinetists, and, and all the rest, and all of a sudden, we started making music, and we played Twinkle, Twinkle, Little Star, and it was amazing, we were making music, different instruments, different notes, and we were playing music. And as we developed our craft and our musicianship, you know, then maybe some of us got to places where we were playing some serious music. And it was like beautiful. It was amazing. Maybe for you it was vocally, it was chorally. That's just a beautiful thing, right? Or maybe it was the, the, the arts and theater. And you remember all the lines that you were memorizing and learning about choreography and stage presence and blocking and, and makeup and all those things and all the hours. And then it was performance. And then it was the finale night where it all came together. And it was just amazing. Or maybe you were on that peewee football team where they were teaching you how to block and how to tackle. 
And, and you did it, and you did it, and you did it, and then you got into high school, and there was that play when everybody hit their block, everybody made their assignment, and the running back runs through the hole for an 80-yard touchdown. I was like, it was amazing. It's amazing. It's happening in your work teams right now where you got all these different people with different gifts and different roles, and they're coming together, and the projects are, you know, it's coming together. It's awesome. It's happening in our families, in our homes. And guys, it's to happen in the church that we make beautiful music, that we make amazing plays, that we're doing good work that matters for people that are hurting in this world today. You got a part to play. And he's gifted you if Jesus is your Lord. And I want to encourage you to find it. Don't go, well, I know what it was because I did this course on gifts 20 years ago. I'm talking about today. God's got a unique purpose for this church today in the midst of this pandemic to discover it and to learn about it, to talk about gifts in your small groups and affirm what you see in other people that goes even beyond an assessment. And then to start stepping out. Now, we're not going to step out if we're given in to fear or to inferiority complex. Say, I don't have much to offer. Or if we give in to our busy schedules or think it's not important. We need to understand this is God's purpose in the world. And he saved us to be part of his purpose in the world, which gives us incredible meaning and significance right now. And he's fitted us together right now in 21, wherever we are, whether we're in a correctional facility, whether right here in Madison, or whether you're off in Shanghai, China, listening to me, we have a role to play as Christ's body. So I want to encourage you. I want you to get to the resource. I want you to take 30 minutes to go through it and start exploring your gifts and figuring out and letting us help you where you could plug those gifts in to serve. Let's close in prayer. So Father God, we bless you for your word, for the encouragement that you came and sought us out against all odds. And you did a work in our hearts so that one time we didn't care about you and the next by your grace We recognize you as the king of the universe and we submit to you in all areas of our life. And we thank you for the beauty of your purposes that would include just broken people like me and like us to do your work in this world when you could do it all without us. What an amazing thing that you would give us your spirit, Jesus, the power that raised you from the dead and with your spirit, special abilities that can make a difference in this world, not only for your honor and glory, but for the good of the people you've called us to serve. And so motivate us and encourage us, energize us, Lord, to be your people who are rightly understanding how you've made us, wired us, and called us to serve. All for your honor, we pray, until you come or call us home. God's people said, amen.